Hello one and hello all. My name is Matt. And I'm Gabe. And welcome back to another episode of the Tentacle Bot Podcast. And honestly, let's just get right into it. Gabe, what are we talking about today? Uh, today we're going to be discussing the new album from Times of Grace, Songs of Loss and Separation. This album was released on July 16th on Unchained Management and is the first record that the band has put out in 10 years. Uh, Times of Grace is Jesse Leach on vocals and Adam, du- Ad- Adam D on instruments and vocals. <laughs> We can't pronounce his last name. I'm not even sure Adam can pronounce his last name. So, <laughs> honestly, yeah, no. And as somebody, like I've seen him a couple times live, and he's a little bit too much of a party animal. I, I yeah, yeah. So it's just case. we're just gonna refer to him as Adam D here. But uh, let's go ahead and jump into the first impressions. Matt, how'd you feel on this one? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and I know that I found some information. Um, and you gave you and I kind of off the off camera, or off air. Um, and had a chance to talk about it, but I did find some information related to a third member of the band um, by the name of Dan Gluzak, but then kind of talking to you again off air is, you know, you were finding some information that was really pointing to just Jesse and Adam being the members of the band. And I think Dan might just be um, a touring member. Um, he may have had some involvement with the instrumentals. We're not 100% sure, but, you know, we we're kind of finding some conflicting information. Um, but when you're looking at a, a band who's two-thirds, if not 100% of another band, um, with that band being Killswitch Engage that Jesse and Adam are both a part of, is you you kind of come into this with almost an expectation, but also a bit of a worry that the other band's just going to really bleed through and there's not going to really be a lot of separation. With this record, is that is not the case. Um, this is not Killswitch Engage 2.0. The nice thing is there is a little bit of that kill switch engage that comes over, uh, but there is a lot of aspects where it's just not. It's not something you would typically find in the kill switch sound. Um, I don't recall exactly where it was that Jesse had said it. I can't remember if it was an interview or if he, he might have said it uh, in an Instagram post. I actually follow his account um, there on Instagram. Is He had said that he wants to do some experimentation, and Killswitch Engage, he's really not going to be able to do that because it's a, a metalcore band. They've been around now 20 years or roughly 20 years. And a little over, actually. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, that, that sounds uh, about because I think 2019, when I had seen them, they were kind of celebrating their 20 year anniversary. So they're probably sitting about 22 ish. Yeah, roughly. Um, and he was just kind of like, you know, we're we're now becoming a legacy band and we're kind of it's almost stuck in our ways. Um, and there's not really a lot of experimentation that they're going to be able to do. But um, and we'll kind of dig into a little bit once we get into the musical breakdown. But there there definitely is some ex- uh, that experimentation here in this record. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for me, starting on this record, it was a bit of an adjustment for me. Um, I loved the first album when it came out. And just kind of realizing and learning about more of that album and kind of like where they were then as opposed to where they are now Mm -hmm. definitely helped me understand this album a lot more. So um, for those unaware, the first album was Hymns of a Broken Man that was released in 2011. It was uh, when Adam D had, he had had emergency back surgery while he was on tour. And so he was just writing music in the meantime and recruited Jesse uh, to do the vocals. And this is back when Jesse wasn't, a part of Killswitch Engage. Do we want to briefly, um, just because the the Killswitch Engage history was, is kind of weird, do we want to get into that at all? Or like a brief overview? Uh, just sure. To- Basically, all there is is Jesse Leach was the first vocalist for Killswitch Engage, or the first known vocalist for Killswitch mm-hmm. Engage. Howard Jones took over for a 
pretty healthy amount of time. And then Jesse Leach came back in 2015, somewhere in there. Uh, two. I want to say it was 2012, because 2013 was the first record when he came back. That's right. So anyway, um, when this album was recorded back in like 2008, 2009, because um, it had about two year delay before it actually came out. Mm-hmm. Um, Howard was fronting Killswitch Engage. Adam was on guitar for Kill Switch Engage and had back surgery, and that's where he found himself writing here. He was mm-hmm. still friends with Jesse Leach. The Jesse Leach was still on good terms with the rest of the band. Uh, they just weren't a part of the same band at that point. Right. And then Jesse Leach got back in with Kill Switch Engage. And at that point, why there's not really a necessarily a need for this project, so we haven't heard anything from them for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And um, this is really more of a passion project for both of the two, so they have to focus more on their actual job first, which is Kill Switch Engage, right. and then they're able to do this. So for, finally, this album came out, and I wasn't certain that there was going to be another album for this, mm-hmm. and so when they announced that this was coming out, I was extremely happy, because yeah. like I said, I was a huge fan of the first, the first album. Um, the first one is a lot heavier, and it's a lot more metalcore-esque. Mm-hmm. It's still not Killswitch Engage, but a lot of the same elements are there, whereas this one here, it really divides itself a lot from that. Um, this album is significantly more introspective and more emotional than the first album that they released a decade ago, but the more I listened to it, it started becoming, honestly, one of my favorite albums released this year so far. Really? Uh, e- each song on it was a full composition. Every bit of it's significant through... Each song was a full-on composition. Every bit had significant thought put into it and is so much about what I love of Times of Grace. Okay. So musically, um, and I kind of kind of hit a lot of the the notes and kind of my first impressions, but you know, the the experimentation and it being able to separate itself from, you know, the these two guys, Jesse and Adam being able to separate this from Kill Switch and being able to do a really good job at doing so was one of the first things that I noted. Um, and once we get to the track by track is I definitely know, I mean, right out the gate, we realize this is not a kill switch engage record. And that was one thing that really made me happy about this record. Um, it w- my, one of the things is I felt like a couple of songs felt like they went on a little bit too long. Uh, but I think it, it, that just allowed them the time to have the full compositions and have the full, um, full entities. Yeah. So musically, this is a really slow and brooding album. Mm-hmm. It's 49 minutes and 10 tracks, meaning that every track is roughly about five minutes long. Yeah. That's um, right. With, with some give there. Um, but yeah, it's just, as I mentioned before, it's a really introspective and a really like emotional album for mm-hmm. the two. Uh, Jesse Leach talked about this, uh, how the album in an interview, and I think it was with Loudwire. I saw it a few weeks ago, and I can't remember it, unfortunately. Okay. Um, but he talked about how this album was really personal and was about a loss, pain, and healing process for both he and Adam. And a lot that a lot's happened in the last ten years for the two guys, and it's really felt throughout the individual songs in this album. Mm-hmm. It's poetic but it's easy to understand the point that they're trying to get across in the songs and so we we see a lot of that coming through um like the kill switch engage vibe where like kill switch engage they've always had a very metalcore approach and they've always been really good and heavy right but their songs have almost always had like a message of positivity and hope Mm -hmm. which is something that helps them stand out across the genre yeah and i feel like this lyrically shares that same uh concept behind it Mm -hmm. and that's due in part due to Adam and Jesse being the the primary ones that did all the writing in there. Yeah. And 
so taking that approach here, but then just changing everything musically and it's still being, it's still having a more emotional feel as opposed to like a hopeful feel that Killswitch Engage would have mm -hmm. really sets this album apart. Yeah. And, and I definitely noticed the very dark and down aspect and it's nowhere near the uh, level that the victims record is. Um, <laughs> and if you haven't listened to that episode, you can definitely go check that out once you're done listening to this one. Um, and it, it's like a very dark and down record, but again, that optimism. And I think that's just something that, that Jesse... That's really just who Jesse Leach is as a person. Mm -hmm. Like, he's just an overly optimistic dude. Yeah. And, and there's one of the... And I can't remember <laughs> lyrically which song it was, but it's very much him pointing out and almost just very outright his kind of devotion to faith and reference to, um, like, where is love without Christ, which is a very... Mm -hmm. Christian kind of um, theme. Theme, yeah. Um, I, I was trying to figure figure the word, but theme is perfect. So him having that and you know really bringing that to the the forefront. He's he hasn't really been that upfront with it. I think in the last probably now eight years he since was, he came back. So he was really upfront with it in the first times of Grace record. Mm -hmm. In this one here, in the last ten years, he's moved more into this spiritual humanism kind of charismatic I, vibe I, to it. I uh, can attest to that. And, and that's a whole theological podcast that yeah. we don't do because we're not nearly nearly no, qualified no. enough for that. But um, basically that's kind of the, the realm that he's yeah. found himself in spiritually now. Yeah, and, and I can definitely attest to that. Um, as I said, like I follow him on Instagram. Um, he's got two different pages um, that he kind of goes through, but his personal as well as like a kind of an inspirational page. And he's very much like an optimist, very spiritual, just kind of trying to just better himself kind of thing. Um, so I can definitely attest to that. But the, the, the blatant reference to that I thought was kind of interesting because – while it still fit in with the rest of the record lyrically, is it also differentiated itself because it had just such a straightforward, like, this is what kind of what's going on and this is what this is about. And, um, you know, I kind of got to respect them for it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, well, it's not the same thing that we saw in Killswitch. Killswitch is a lot more of just like a, a hopeful, positive message. Message. Mm -hmm. This one actually incorporated a lot of his faith and beliefs and stuff like that, yeah. which I think is also what, a part of what sets it apart from being his job as opposed to his passion project. Right. And he, as he was uh, discussing in another interview, he, he said that he and Adam, the record itself has been done for like the last three years. Oh, wow. But they've been going over everything meticulously because they want, because they're so passionate about this, they mm -hmm. want it to be absolutely perfect in every way, shape and form. That makes sense. And so I'm glad that they did it because like I said, th th this is going to be probably one of my top albums of the year. Okay. For sure. Um, before we jump into the track by track, we do want to go over the album art. Uh, for the album art on this one, it's really stripped down, very simple. The band names across the, the top in a capitalized type font, and uh, below is the album name in a cursive font. And the rest of the cover is an abstract art rendering of potentially an ocean, but ultimately it's up, up to the interpretation of the viewer. Matt, did you have anything further on this one? Or I didn't see an ocean. I actually, it actually looked to me kind of like roughly painted like snowy mountains, and then it was just like a, a black sky above. Um, so. 
it, it sounds like we're we're both kind of seeing a little bit different things. Um, but I feel I, like we're seeing exactly what they want us to see. Probably. Um, <laughs> it and it I mean, is our own views and our yeah, own interpretations exactly. of it. And the cool thing about the album art is where a lot of metalcore um, records is we see kind of like warm colors like reds, oranges, yellows, um, and like and also a lot of like. Um, we've seen some dark greens and just like black and grays. This is using just cool colors. So it's mm-hmm. like blue, purple, the black strip up at the top above what I, I thought was snowy mountains. And then you, you know, we're looking at a snow, <laughs> you know, an ocean. And then, you know, we're kind of seeing the, the blue and purple kind of mixed in. Um, and you know, I, it almost insinuates a very chill record. It, very much so. Like it, it indicates, how like somber of a feel that the record mm-hmm. has. It's a, it's a very, I don't know that laid back is the right word for it, but it's, it's definitely not late. Yeah. Laid back's definitely not the it, way it, to it's not an it. edge of your seat record for mm-hmm. sure. And, no. I, and I feel like the album artwork really definitely is, is able to bring that across. Like when mm-hmm. you listen to this, you're not knowing what you're going into, but you're not, you know, just based off of the album art that you're not going to be in this record and, and just, feeling the, the the heavy of it yeah like the heavy is there in its own way it's it's really there in a more emotional and and thought-provoking perspective mm-hmm. as opposed to a musical perspective yeah and kind of you know it since since we i referenced victims a little bit earlier is we'll kind of you know we'll kind of just um, hypothetically so if this were the cover of the victims record um just for just for giggles is if that was the cover of the victims record and we went into that is that album art would very much not fit with what you were coming into mm-hmm. is I could kind of see like the ocean aspect because you know, the ocean, if you look at it is not exactly a very kind place, especially if you get in the middle of it, where just, you know, giant crashing waves and you're just in for a bad time. But with it being for this record, which is a lot, you know, chiller, a lot more somber, and it's, you know, you're able to lay back a little bit more as opposed to being on the edge of your seat and just uneasy the whole time with the victim's record, um, you know, not to spoil too much if you haven't heard that episode already. But this record, do, you know, doesn't evoke that, like, uncomfortable mm-hmm. feeling. It doesn't make you feel like you should be on the edge of your seat. It allows you to kind of breathe and... You know, we've only seen maybe a couple uh, records here on this podcast where you're actually able to kind of fully kind of breathe, if mm-hmm. you will. We've, we've seen a lot more records here where you're kind of on the edge of your seat. You're just not sure what's happening. And there's just that almost gross feeling to it. Which is why we did this one instead of the new ingested record. <laughs> <laughs> but that sounds like a conversation for another time. You're correct. <laughs> Uh, but with that out of the way, let's go ahead and jump into the track by track. Uh, kicking off the album, we have the first single release for it, The Burden of Belief. Matt, why don't you hit me with it? So the first thing I noted is this is, I you know, thank you to Adam and Jesse for not for making sure that with the opening riff is they established this is not Kill Switch Engage. Mm-hmm. Thank you for doing that. Um, it's a really cool way to introduce the record. Um, where some bands may go... Um, and maybe we'll start with a heavy song is these guys started with a song that does have some heavy elements in it. And kind of in the back, probably minute and a half, we really start to hear them pick up and kind of bring in some of the heavier side. But by having a song that's a lot more on the, um, the somber side and again, setting the, 
setting the stage for what we're going to be seeing for throughout the rest of the record. Um, this is a good way to start it off, and it doesn't set the wrong expectation. No, not at all. So th this is the, the, as I mentioned, this is the first single that was released for the album, and this told me that I was not going to be expecting what the first Times of Grace mm -hmm. album was back in 2011. Um, it, the song's nearly six minutes long, and it's a slow burn, but it's a, for a good reason. Like, it slowly builds into the song, and by the end, it's this very strong and anthemic song, and it just absolutely sets the tone for the album. It, it sets the expectation for the phenomenal guitar tones throughout the entire album as well. Yeah. And, like, I know I usually reference that when in, in terms of, like, a solo and stuff like that, but, man, like, just the, the tones throughout this entire album that Adam's using are just top-notch. Adam is just something else and he's he's been quoted as very much a perfectionist um i know he's done production on a lot of um other bands if i remember correctly is he did production on a azalea dying record um i'm completely forgetting the name of it but it's the same record that has parallels on it um i believe he was also the producer of dead throne for the devil wears prada mm -hmm. um, yeah he also does all of kill switch stuff yeah which, which makes sense and he, he's just very much a perfectionist so him you know really being able to hone in his tone and being able to do it really well um is something that i would almost expect of him and he's just, almost just a, a mad scientist genius <laughs> level yeah and, and one of the things that i really appreciate about times of grace over kill switch is the fact that adam actually showcases his vocal capabilities through this project and while it's not as much as i would like because he's a phenomenal vocalist yeah like we still actually get to see it and in his harmonies and in like some of these standalone parts and stuff like that it just yeah. he's actually a really amazing vocalist and i'm glad that he gets the time to shine through with that uh through this project yeah and i think really he and especially with kill switch i think he's only really doing it as like you know, backing screams mm -hmm. behind or like, again, harmonizing with Jesse during certain songs. So Correct. Um, I definitely appreciated that here in the record as well. The next song, do you have anything else on this one? That's all I got. Next up, we do have the song Mend You. And honestly, I feel like this is very much a pop rock song, or at least you can kind of classify it under that umbrella. The, the way that I saw it put was uh, on a... Uh, it was like an album review that somebody else had done, mm -hmm. and they said that Mendu is like it, it's a ra it, it's capable of being a radio song mm -hmm. such as Breaking Benjamin, but with actual thought behind it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? I agree. <laughs> I yeah, no, I can. Yeah, I absolutely. Can the song is, is radio friendly, but it still holds the weight for like the like the weight that the rest of the album brings. Yeah, L similar to um, uh, the burden of belief. This song slowly builds over the course of its four minutes sixteen second runtime. Mm -hmm. It's definitely the song that's grown on me the most. Similar to like Skin from the Beartooth record. Like I started out not oh, particularly yeah. enjoying it, but I, I've I've grown to really enjoy this one a lot. Yeah, it's also helped solidify that Jesse Leach is one of my favorite vocalists in the hard rock and metal scenes. He's solid. Like he is amazing. And the final minute of this song is just full blown, and it brings the heavy for the mm -hmm. last bit of it. And I just love it. Yeah, and though I, I kind of made a note of that, where like aggression is brought in in the song, but it's it never becomes an aggressive song. It, um, and it, yeah, that's it, what's an interesting kind of thing to it. It brings in the emotional side, it, whereas. It feels a lot of these records nowadays bring in just screams to showcase anger. Mm -hmm. The screams here showcase the the pain, the hurt, the heartache behind. And I feel like that's something that's oftentimes lost. Yeah. And that there's little nuggets here and there. 
um, that'll do it. But th- this entire record, like I never feel like the screams, except for like two, two or three spots, the screams are really there to exemplify the the heartache behind it instead mm-hmm. of the anger behind it. Yeah. Cause n- nothing in this album really feels angry for the most part. No. Um, with the exception of maybe far from heaviness, mm-hmm. but otherwise, yeah, it, it's really just more about the raw emotion behind it. Yeah. No. And that, and that makes sense. Um, the only the last thing I have to say about Mendy is I think it might be the catchiest song on the record. Definitely is. Yeah. It's, it's definitely one of the, um, the catchier ones. Yeah. Uh, it's not my favorite, though, and I'll get to that here in a bit. It's not mine either, but okay, I'm let's get scene. to it. Uh, then we jump into the song Rescue. How are you feeling on this one? So this is this is the first time we really see the kill switch engage, like, um, bleed over really happen. Um, and, you know, the this one really is... I feel like just a lot more positive than what I what I typically would see from Killswitch, and I think that was the biggest difference here. Yeah, th- this song through and through is a love song, mm-hmm. like a- hands down. So we we start out with those beautiful Adam D guitar riffs, and I'm I'm just here for it. Yep. But um, in another interview, Jesse admits that this is one of the heavier songs on purpose. Makes uh, sense. It's while it's really written about kind of um, so. A little bit of backstory. Jesse went through a divorce over the last 10 years, somewhere in there. And this song is about the uh, girl that he's currently with. Mm -hmm. And it's really about how she was able to help pull him out of a dark time and, and effectively rescue him in that regard. Um, So, but with that being uh, part of the heavier songs, they had others written for this album, but they just, every time they tried to put it anywhere in the album, it just didn't feel right for them. Okay. So this is going to be one of the one of the only heavy songs on the album. Yeah, there, there's a couple that are a little bit heavier in certain regards, and we'll get to that in a minute. But this really is kind of like the closest thing that we're going to get to like their first record. Mm-hmm. And he did say that they'll probably release them as like a B sides in a few records or in a few records. Well, in a few years, mm-hmm. which fortunately means that I don't have to wait ten years for new music <laughs> if they choose to do that, and I really hope they do. Yeah, no, I I can't, don't blame you. But, um, yeah, and I feel like that's a really good – I feel like that's something that should be, like, just known to anybody listening to the album mm-hmm. is that this is what's to be expected. Just at that point, focus on it because you're you're not going to be here for the heavy at that point. You're going to be right. here for the introspective. You're going to mm-hmm. be here to actually hear what's on their hearts instead of what they're doing to make a paycheck. That makes sense, yeah. <clears throat> and, yeah, and the only thing other, you know, else that I have is – the song's fine. It do, it never it didn't blow my mind. Um, but I, I did find it. You know, it was a it was a decent song. It wasn't you know again not my, not my favorite thing that I've ever heard. But um, I mean, I'd listen to it again. So th- this song is the third of the three singles. So Burden of Belief is the first one. Menu was the second single, and Rescue is the third. It's my favorite of the three. Really? Um, I believe me, I like the other two, mm-hmm. but Rescue is definitely my favorite of the three. Okay. I might <laughs> if I had to pick of the three singles. Mendu might end up being my favorite mm-hmm. of the three. Um, and un- unfortunately, I might have to put Rescue as my bottom of the of the three. Um, it's just oof, yeah. Um, <laughs> but before before uh, we end up getting into a scuffle, let's get into Far From Heavenless. And we have here we have a six minute venture. And dude, we go through a lot. Oh of man, we, it, this is kind of a roller coaster of just things. I mean, we get the heavies, we get the somber. Um, and the the first minute is this light build, and it's almost as if it's the song's part one, and it's almost as if the the song is in volumes, mm-hmm. and you're you're probably looking at a 
six, seven volume kind of thing happening here. Um, it's, it's unique, man. Yeah. I, I really like it. And I think this is where, you know, at least for me, is this is where I really felt that, like, full composition. And, like, every, you know, it had this very nice up and down. And it just, everything seemed to flow really well. Yeah, th this song is super heavy in the lyrical content. Mm -hmm. Like, it's all about the hypocrisy and organized religion. And the lyrics just really drive home the message of the song for me. Uh, it's, uh, what is faith without love? What is law without grace? A conviction misplaced. Like, just... Man, slap across the face. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, in, in an interview with, uh, I believe it was Apple Music, Jesse uh, had pointed out the fact that his dad was a minister. And I'll be, he's one of the good ones. He's not one of the ones that really kind of falls into those same hypocrisies. But mm -hmm. he's seen all the sides of organized religion. And yeah. so that's, that's where a lot of this song comes from. And it really does bring in the the heavy weight behind the, the music itself. Like, the music isn't overtly technical or anything no. like that. It's just very much like a driving force behind the lyrics. It's there to complement the message of the mm -hmm. song. And I, I absolutely love it. The, um, it's, it it complements it extremely well, and Jesse's screams are fantastic. It's one of my favorite songs on the record. I, I probably would have to put it at number two. Really? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay. I love this song. This this is definitely one of those songs that I really enjoyed listening to. Um, and throughout the first listen of the record is I ended up this one actually kind of poked its head out very much. Um, and kind of just like, hey, I'm kind of you know really separating myself from the rest of the record. And I was you know I was listening to it and I'm like, am I still listening to the same record? Because because it almost felt like it. Um. It wasn't like full whiplash, but it was kind of, you know, kind of knocked me, knocked me back to listening to the record. I'm like, this is cool. Mm -hmm. I like this. Yeah. No, it, it is a fantastic song. And I, I love, love it musically and I love it lyrically and I love the way that they combine together. Yeah. No, it's, it's a solid one. Um, and we'll dig right into the next one, unless you had anything else. No, that's it for me. Cool. Um, let's dig right into Bleed Me. Um, I got a couple of fun little little notes about this, but what I'll let you take this one first. All right, I um, so I have written down here. Uh, this is just another dark song. Yeah, it's uh, it feels like it's talking about anxiety attacks and and depression. It's got a really like ethereal sound musically, and it mm -hmm. fits. It, again, it fits the the lyrical content really well. Yeah, um, it's also got a sh it, or it also acts as a strong bridge between Far From Heavenless and Medusa. And I feel like that was good rather than trying to put those two songs back to back being yeah. kind of that they were the darkest songs on the so mm -hmm. on the album. Um, and then the riffs in the back half of this song are super groovy. So listening to this song is I'm pretty sure this is a ballad and a country songs child. Like it, and I, it's kind of weird, but like also eh. throw in the background like a little bit of Jesse screams had just a little bit of little bit of that pizzazz if you will um the song is rad um I, I love the chorus on it like the 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 hook on it is like super catchy yeah and it's like the the back half it feels like it shouldn't fit but it does and like i remember listening to it and kind of trying to make sense of the front half with the back half making sense and i was kind of you know um, it, it was almost like trying to fit a square peg into a, a round hole. And I'm kind of sitting there and I'm like, how does this work? And I just kind of <laughs> just stopped listening to it because my brain hurt. And I was like, I, I don't know how this works, but it does. And I kind of hate <laughs> how, like, 
how much thought I had to put into it. I also like the fact that like Far From Heavenless, Bleed Me, and Medusa all flow really well together, even yeah. though that they don't really have anything in common. Not so much musically, but like more in the lyrical content. Mm-hmm. Like they're not songs that like need to be played back to back to back. Yeah. But just like in listening to the record front to back as a whole, like those th- three songs really just kind of flow into each other extremely well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess with that, let's go ahead and just flow into Medusa. Um, it's a really, it's another dark song. <laughs> Matt, where you at on this one? I think this is my favorite one for sure. I think so. Right on. I think I think this one takes the the cake. And the the first note I have is with a song title like this and considering the mythology of Medusa and in just Greek mythology and I believe in other cultures I just can't remember offhand but very much prominent in Greece um I have high hopes for this and as a big Greek mythology fan I kind of came in them all let's see what we got opening riff dude it's solid the lyrics for the song ooh <laughs> ooh the spice and the vocal delivery is we get a variety of styles. We get screams, we get cleans, we get distorted cleans, and possibly some pitch screaming, unless I, I heard um, incorrectly, but I'm pretty sure I caught the pitch screaming in. The yelling from Jesse, we get at the probably three-quarter mark, was... Oh, <laughs> it was so sick. Like... Listening to it, and especially after reading the lyrics to it, is I love how it was a very dark and very angry song, but it wasn't just a song where it was just scream, 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 and mm-hmm. then clean, clean, you know, chorus. Is it's we see them go and show off their different abilities, and it just added that little bit of extra, just chef's kiss just the, <laughs> just the right amount of salt on it and i'm all for it so before i talk really about my notes on this one i wanted to read the um the uh, the section where uh, jesse talks about this with apple music okay um he says quote everyone everybody knows the story about medusa being this dark mistress that turns people into stone i took that poetic idea as a metaphor for making eye contact with someone being deceived being seduced and then having your heart turned to stone because of it mm-hmm. and then the song is a also about finding the strength to sever the ties and with that like my notes kind of fit along with that pretty well like i said the song is really dark musically but lyrically it's actually kind of uplifting Mm -hmm. uh it still fits the phrasing of the lyrical content which is kind of a surprise to see that but the the juxtaposition between the two but like it, it works extremely well um adam's riffing throughout this entire song is something of note as well it's just it fits so perfectly with the lyrical content and we see another helping of the spoken word that we saw in Far From Heavenless. Yeah. Before going into those final heavy bits of the song, which is really the most uplifting part of the song. You won't kill the love in me. <laughs> yeah, no, the the song was mucho spice. This song would probably fall at number three for me on the album. Really? Mm-hmm. I'm curious to see what your number one is. Um, let's just jump right into the next one, because I'm, I'm excited to hear what your number <laughs> one is. No joke. It's going to surprise you. Okay. Um, so we're looking at the song Currents, um, and Gabe, I'll just kind of let you take this one. Like Mendu, this one took a minute to grow on me, because okay. it, it felt very monotone mm-hmm. um, for a lot of the song, Okay, and, gen- and then just the more I listened to it, and the more I listened to it, like, it just became this powerhouse on the record. It, like, it's... As I mentioned before, like this is going to be one of my favorite records of the years for mm-hmm. sure. 
uh, it's really hard for me to place this one because I also want to place this one really ha- really high. Right. Um, the the chorus goes super hard, and and I'm here for it. I I really like this song. The lyrical content, it fits the emotion of the song extremely well, mm-hmm. and I feel like I don't know that they could have done anything to make the song any better. Okay. So what this one is, it feels like it straight up just doesn't belong because it just feels different vocally. Um, But Jesse, again, did say he wanted to experiment. And I believe the interview that I had read him kind of talking about that, I believe, was Loudwire as well. Um, I had read the article probably at least from time of recording, probably a week, maybe week and a half before the actual recording of this episode. Um, So I'll give him that. Uh, But on the other hand, it fits on the record because of its more mellow sound. Um, And, you know, you kind of reference it being kind of monotone throughout most of the song. Um, So that and I think that kind of allowed it to kind of fit right in. Um, I'm not a big fan of the song personally, but I do think it is a really neat addition to the record as a whole. And I think it does kind of fit in. Um, just because that you know the sound kind of keeps consistent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Like it, it breaks up the album because it's so different musically than the rest yeah. of it. But it also just it has its own place in the story that is this album, right? And and I feel like that's that that that's part of what makes it stand out. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have anything further on that? Nope, nothing for you. Then we jump into my favorite song, "Carry the Weight." Really? Yeah. All right. <laughs> Hit me with it. I give me your thoughts, man. So, I, I'm so I'm extremely surprised by this. So easily, it's my favorite song on the record. It was the first one that popped out to me on my first listen through. Okay, um, it's it's just a really emotional song musically and lyrically, and it just has this energy to it that's painful but hopeful. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's at this point, or just something that Adam D and Jesse Leach are really pros at. Okay, see early kills, which engages an example. Yeah, um, while still being in the realm of heavy music. Obviously, the song isn't really like a heavy song, mm-hmm. but it resides in the same vicinity and carries more weight, pun intended, uh, <laughs> than the emotional. Than the emotional songs that can be heard on the radio, like the the chorus on this one, just like I feel like I, I don't really know how to put the way that I feel about the song into words. Mm-hmm. It just is one of those one that strikes a different chord for me, okay. and, and I just I connected with the song immediately. Okay, so and I actually made a note about this um, because I think this was probably without a doubt Jesse's best vocal uh, performance on this record, um, which honestly is something of note. Because and I I noted this specifically, but within the last three years, is he had to get some sort of vocal cord surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't I can't remember if it was like he had torn a vocal cord, or if it was just like a you know kind of a like a repair you know a, a, a quick little fix. I'm not exactly sure because it was a little while back. Um, but without a doubt, the strongest vocal performance by him, regardless. Um, and I wanted to make a note of that because with a lot of vocalists is they get vocal cord surgery and they're not quite the same or they're not as good as they were before. Jesse, I, I think is leaps and bounds better than he was. And I, my first real exposure to him was really in 2013 with disarm the descent um, mm-hmm. with kill switch. Um, I'd probably heard little bits of like old, old kill switch engage, but like I really was like Jesse Leach is a solid vocalist with that kill switch record. Um, that being said, actually getting back to this record, 
I feel like this song definitely takes the, and I, I put quotes around it, the ballad spot of the record, but it never fully t- goes into just a straight up ballad. Mm-hmm. It's almost as if you take a standard rock song and just throw ballad elements. And that's probably the best way to describe this song because it never just stays that just somber and it doesn't get very like some ballads, very um, anthemic anthemic might be the best way to put it where it's like, you almost can see them being played in a a big uh, like um, arena. Yes, thank you. I, <laughs> I I'm having a hard because like I was sitting there and I'm like rock studio. I was like that doesn't make sense. Um, but, uh, yes, in a in a big arena like you can see most anthemic songs being mm-hmm. sung just by everybody. This is one of those songs where I really can't see just an entire arena singing it, but I feel like it could definitely be one of those songs that's at least played and everybody would be having a good time too. Um, I. Th- I definitely do like this one. Again, I'm really surprised though that this was your your number one on the record. So, yeah, it's <laughs> ly- lyrically this one is basically about fighting a losing battle with somebody battling suicide. Yeah, and I I, f- I feel like that on top of like everything else about it, like it is part of what like really strikes the chord with yeah. me. Um, but yeah, like I, I just I can't sing the song praises enough. Yeah, no, and it's it's a it's a good one. So. Um, next up, let's get into cold. Yeah, Matt, why don't you tell me about your feelings on this one? Hey, remember Jesse saying that he wanted to experiment? Yeah. Oh, yeah, here's some experimentation. <laughs> um, pretty sure this is uh, a country song that just happens to be hidden within a rock record. Honestly, kind of. It, it, it's, like, really a song about heartache, but it's honestly yeah. one of my favorite ones to sing along to. That's fair. Yeah, because, like, I definitely saw this as a very pop country song. Uh, before we start getting this strong kind of buildup and energy. So it allows it to feel a little bit more rock, uh, more rock-esque. Um, but it's, the, my biggest complaint is, the you know, the build happens and it seems to disappear just way too quick. Um, so it like, you know, they, they build up and it's like, ooh, something's coming, ooh, something's coming, nothing. And that was... It, I was very, I felt very let down. Um, like I'm not expecting like the nastiest breakdown of 2021. I'm not expecting like blast beats into the sickest riff. As much as I love breakdowns and blast beats, as much as I love those, I wasn't you expecting love breakdowns and blast beats. Who'd have thunk? I never would have guessed. You know what else I love? Courtney LaPlante. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, side note. Sorry. Um, but. You know, again, we we get this build, and I'm like, ooh, something's going to happen. Ooh, something's going to happen. Poof. Honestly, I loved it being the way that it was. So, like, it it goes into that really big, um, that big, like, bridge portion of Mm -hmm. it. And it just, it's riding high. It goes into that, like, break where it's kind of going along with the big open chords and the lead line that Adam's playing. And then it just kind of leaves you hanging. Yeah. And I feel like that is really indicative of what the song is about to begin with. I mean, yeah. the, the, the song says you left me so cold over yep. and over. And I feel like ending the song that way, like it still resolves the song, but it also brings out that portion of the song in the musical form. And you I feel could like say that they left you so cold. I already made that joke, Matt. Come on. Oh. Keep up. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, the the vocal harmonies on this one are spot on mm-hmm. and just the I, I love the bridge of this song. Yeah. I, and I I just like this song in general. Like I'm not a country fan whatsoever. Right. But I feel like this takes in the proper elements for it. Mm-hmm. And um Forever does the the final song here that we'll jump into here in a second. Um 
but it uh it has the same elements to it mm-hmm. where it's kind of got that like southern rock uh vibe to it yeah and you you just can't help but feel the heartbreak in in, in the song itself yeah. just within the music and i feel like that's a, it's just indicative of good songwriting right, and good yep. musicianship is when you can actually just feel the emotion in the music itself. Oftentimes it's coupled with like the vocal styles and stuff like that. Cause like if you were to throw uh Rivers Cuomo, the, the lead singer of Weezer on this mm-hmm. album, like it's going to change the entire album drastically. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it, it really, I mean, just put X singer here, X singer there, mm-hmm. and it, it's going to change the album drastically. So the, the coupling of the music versus the, the singer and then using the musical talent of the singer instead of just the lyrical content mm-hmm. to, to couple with the song, I feel like that's something that they find that perfect marriage on on this record. Yeah, and I think especially because Adam and Jesse have, been a, have worked with each other for so long, mm-hmm. and even though there was the like seven year window or so that he, you know, that Jesse wasn't in kill switch is, you know, even without that is they've worked together so much mm-hmm. and for so long is well, I think that helps that seven a lot. year window. Uh, they had started this project inside of that seven yeah. year window. So it wasn't like he just had, didn't have Jesse for seven years. Mm-hmm. Like he had him, he was maybe without him musically speaking for three yeah, that sounds about right, at least, yeah, if the math is right. Um, and so the the first thing I noted with this one, and I think you kind of touched on it. When you say this one, you mean forever, the track forever, that we're going yes, into? Yes. Cool. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I caught that, thanks. Um, so, like, we start this one off slow, and it's not, like, like, a country slow, but it's almost like a pop slow, if that makes sense. So I feel like, you know. Kind of basically pop records since 2016, where everything has just been slowed and called upbeat. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Um, and it so and the mellow vocals from Jesse that we've seen a decent amount on the record show up again, uh, but we get to hear him kind of take the training wheels off, and it, it doesn't quite go as big um, as to carry the weight. Um, <laughs> let me start that <laughs> sentence over. I'm leaving this in. <laughs> so. Where so we kind of hear him do the mellow vocals that we've seen throughout the entirety of the record, but where in to carry the weight, he really kind of just lets kind of cuts it open and lets go. Is we see him again, kind of take the training wheels off and kind of you know pull it up, mm-hmm. but he never goes to that to carry the weight levels of um that that you know that huge voice yeah. kind of thing that he was doing. Um, and it, it just, and it allows you to kind of separate the different parts of the song. It does, it kind of lets you know, okay, we're not in the verses, we're here in the chorus. And it, he, the, the performance he gives in this one, I, again, I don't think is the best one. I think to carry the weight still takes it as the best vocal performance by him. But I think this one sits at a very close second. Um, but the back half of this song feels almost like an entirely different entity, um, which I, I definitely have to um, appreciate. Um, two kind of gripes that I have with the song is the repeating of forever in the kind of the fi- you know the echo of the word forever and mm-hmm. it kind of fading. Felt like that went on a little bit too long. 
Um, but I think it kind of looking back at it, I think it gave appropriate time to, to reflect on what you just heard. Yeah. In with, without it jumping immediately into the next song and calling it a, and just like stopping it yeah. and like, Oh, here we go. Here's trivium, uh, which <laughs> is exactly what my Apple music did. Did it really? <laughs> it threw me into, um, uh, world so cold off of uh, silence That's in the snow. So like, it, it makes sense. Like it, it follows the same musical lines that, that mm-hmm. uh, Times of Grace has it yeah. jumped into that, but but still, like it gave you time to like have a breather. I'm like, wow, okay, that was a lot of ten songs to process. Yeah. Give me a second here. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a minute and think about that. So I feel like that was appropriate. And um, my notes on this one, like being the final track on the album, I'm really glad that they went with the slow down, more mellow route with mm-hmm. it. Like obviously they they amped it up towards the end, but it instead of just being all out Sonic Assault, like yeah. a lot of albums do. I feel like this was actually the appropriate time to just take that really slow and somber kind of feel to it instead of just tacking it on at the end and calling mm-hmm. it good. I feel like this was a good bookend. And this this is, a, you know, we've seen now, I think this is maybe the third or fourth song kind of using this formula where, you know, the first half is the very slow and somber and then the back half is a little bit more of the heavy entity. Yeah, um, they, they do that quite a bit in this record. Yeah. And I think, you know, kind of using that as the bookend, because, I mean, if you look at it, Burden of Belief was kind of the same way. Mm-hmm. And then now this one. So it's, you know, the bookends are very much identical, except they each have their own separate identity. So um, I thought that was a cool thing. The other gripe I have is when I was reading the lyrics to this song is the way the lyrics were written is it kind of sounded like, oh, you kind of have to just deal with me and like love me forever. Like it it felt very kind of forceful. Um, I can't remember the exact verbiage, but I was kind of reading it. I'm like, it's kind of aggressive and it's almost like you don't have a choice in loving me kind of thing. Like I, I was made a little uncomfortable and I think that's, that would be my only other gripe with the song. Yeah, I, I can understand that. And that really is just a matter of interpretation on yeah. that. Um, I, I see what you're saying. Cause like the, I am nothing without you. You're nothing without me. Can't you see we were meant to be true love is forever. No, no one can love you like I do. Yeah. I, I, I can get that. I see where you're coming from. So I, I, I'm not a huge fan of that lyrically. Um, but that could be really just more of uh, an inside look into his personal life and with the be. person that he's with. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, yeah, that's it. That's all I really had. I don't know where I was going to go with that <laughs> sentence. <laughs> um, yeah, the only other note that I had on this one is like the the song has a very country rock feel to it, as we mentioned. Mm-hmm. But like, it never feels like it slips into those unattractive southern rock tropes where right. it's got like the more nasal kind of vibe to it and those the. I forget exactly what like the natural numbers uh, pr- progression is for the chords, but like it never falls into that. Like it mm-hmm. still stays in a very minor feel to it. And it just, it gives it a heavy and dark feel to the album towards the end. And I love it. Yeah. It, it just, the, the, this album, as I mentioned up at the top of the cast, like this is a very dark brooding emotional album. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and I feel like, it started out that way. It let us know how the record was going to feel yep. and it didn't disappoint all the way through until the end of the record. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, that'll do it for our, uh, our track by track breakdown on the times of grace songs of loss and separation. And what we're going to do now is we're going to go ahead and give it our tentacle rating, uh, which we rate on a scale of one to eight tentacles. So Matt on a scale of one to eight, where you at? So with this one, um, you know, listening to it is, 
I do definitely appreciate the kind of somber vibes and again, Jesse and Adam very much separating themselves from Killswitch with this one, even though those two are very active and you know, with the kill switch still be going um, and this being their passion project. I have to give this one a, a five out of eight. Um, they did a really good job in the performances, um, whether it be instrumentally or vocally. And everything seems to, for the most part, fit really well. Um, and you never get the whiplash of this is completely insane. Like just going back and forth between things. <clears throat> everything seems to, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're looking at you victims. It, everything seems to just ebb and flow really well. Um, other than a couple, you know, maybe a song or a couple of parts, but it never just goes and just complete 180. Um, so I have to, I have to give them mad props for that. Um, I'll pass it over to you. What are you going to rate them? Honestly, this is an eight out of eight for me. Like there, I just, I loved this record. Every time I listened to it, I found something else that I would just fell in love with. Is that the second eight out of eight that's ever been given on the it podcast? It is. And apparently, like, I'm just a lot more lenient of a raider than you are because yeah. I didn't even give the Devil Wars Prada an eight out of eight, eight, out of eight and you loved them. <laughs> I, yeah. Well, and so well, I guess that was kind of like a half eight out of eight because we were talking about, like, the Way Pass record. Yeah, that's true. And I honestly, I feel like I. It's really weird how I've kind of found my rating system is I'm almost. Like, I try to go and rate it specifically by the record itself, but I'm. it almost seems like I'm rating records kind of compared to other records. So, it, like, that might be part of my problem is I'm not, I'm, I'm not going just specifically based off of just the record itself, is I'm almost kind of, like, comparing to other records, I think, is mm-hmm. kind of what my issue is. And, um, yeah, no, I, I don't think I've given a single 8 out of 8 this year. You have year. not. But yeah, like, like as I mentioned, like there's nothing I don't love about this record. I every song has some sort of different way of meaning to me, and mm-hmm. I can listen to this one front to back without skipping a single song wow. easily. Oh, that's awesome! So that's gonna do it for the uh, review of "Songs of Loss and Separation" by Times of Grace. And what we like to do here at the end of the podcast is go into the hidden track where we like to talk about stuff in the realm of music, and it may not be specific to this record. Um, Gabe, why don't you just take us into it? So I have two things that I want to bring up. Uh, the first is going to be uh, Bad Flower actually released a new song today, since we're recording this on the day of release because we're silly people, and uh, Matt has poor uh scheduling problems but you know that's that's just matt's fault and not mine and so if we're looking for a new co-host anyway so you can i'm just kidding <laughs> um so anyway bad flower released their new single that's going to be off of their upcoming album that'll be coming out here at the end of september uh oh, right the song's on. called hate me uh it's it's not quite as good as family mm-hmm. but i still really like it the music video that they came out with for it kind of had a cool interesting vibe to it and yeah, it follows the same rock trope of, you know, breaking things and breaking instruments towards mm-hmm. the end of the song and whatnot. So you've got that to look forward to, I guess. But before you oh. get into the next part of your hidden track, nothing's better than family. <laughs> God, I hate you so much. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I, I, I really like the song. I do recommend checking it out. Uh, I'm depending on because it seems like there's going to be a lot of stuff coming out in September. I'm really hoping that we do get a chance to take care of this record. Uh, yeah. But if not, it'll definitely be something that I discuss a little bit more in depth once it fully comes out uh, coming up here in a, in a hidden track whenever it does release. Yeah. Uh, the second thing that I wanted to bring up was um, Ingested, the uh, death slash black metal band. Uh, 
re-recorded, reissued, redid their 2012 record, Surreption. Uh, so this one's titled Surreption 2, and uh, all, all the songs are reduxes, meaning that they've been re-recorded. Mm-hmm. And they've been re-recorded in such a way, so like they incorporate new features, uh, which okay. is always something I'm a fan of, as, as we've discussed pretty lengthily here on the podcast. Yeah. Um, but it's obviously re-recording the instrument, so it has a higher sound quality. And then they've also changed a little bit of the songs, and so that they have like a little extensions to them and little bits and pieces that are just kind of like little sprinkles of flavor that mm-hmm. maybe they would have included if they had been as musically mature as they are now. Yeah, uh, back almost ten years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it is not for the faint of heart. It is a sonic assault of death and black metal. And so if that's not your vibe, it's not your album. I promise that. Fair enough. Uh, but it, it I, I really enjoyed it. I, I've been in a really big heavy mood lately. Okay. Um, so th- things like Ingested, Worm Shepherd, you know, a lot of those kind of guys, like that's been a lot on the forefront of my uh, playlist as of late. And uh, this came out at a really good time. I've been really enjoying listening to this record. No, that's awesome. Yeah, no, I might have to. And I'm not a crazy big listener of black and death metal or black metal and death metal. Um, just to actually clean up my sentence and communicate properly, because you know I need to work. I mean, on black doing that. and death metal is a thing. Black and death metal <laughs> is a thing. Um, but no, that actually sounds like something that I might actually try and kind of you know at least give a listen to. Absolutely, um, Matt. How you? What do you? What do you got this week? So today I've actually um got a couple of singles. The first one is uh, July 30th of 2021. Um is at least the YouTube video drop for Shadow of Intent, um, where they dropped the song called Intensified Genocide. Um, they really, they don't waste any time getting into this. It's <laughs> and Listening to this is you hear Bendor do kind of just what Ben does and has done really well. Um, and listening to it, especially after kind of a disappointing third record, it, um, as I may have talked about a little bit here on the podcast, is... Um, their first record is pretty good. Um, honestly, I kind of prefer listening to the instrumentals of it. I kind of, um, actually prefer just the instrumentals without Ben's vocals on the first record. Second record is just an absolute masterpiece. I think it's probably up in my top 10 records of all time. It's just reclaimers that good. And after just sitting on the hype so much for that, their third record was a huge letdown. Um, mm-hmm. And listening to this song is this really gives me some hope for record four. But I'm also kind of trying to come in, like trying to kind of keep my hopes from getting too big um, because I I don't want to end up having a situation. Excuse me, like the third record where I'm just disappointed. Um, so really, ha- really excited about that. With the mention of Bendor, I did want to point out that um, uh, Sign of the Swarm. Uh, is also going to be coming out with an album in September. Really? Bendor is featured on one of the songs. Hey. <laughs> um, I do like Bendor quite a bit. His his voice is stupid good. It is. Um, and, and Sign of the Swarm is just disgusting. So they, they used to be fronted by C.J. McGrady, mm-hmm. and he's now been added as garbage and is yep. fortunately he well he went to Lorna Shore but now he's no longer with them and they got an even better singer now but the new singer for uh sign of the swarm is it, it sounds like a demonic infant it's terrifying and I love it <laughs> I'm all for it yeah no and the new Lorna Shore vocalist Will Ramos Will I Ramos his yes. name is oh, 
Yeah, I, I, we, we mentioned stud. this on our previous yep. podcast, but like he he just sounds like the the vocal iteration of a stomach ulcer. Yep. <laughs> and honestly, like, and the the one big point that I, I made sure to really emphasize was the part where he sounded like he was like a snarling wolf. Yeah. And oh, then a so squealing great. pig back and forth between the two was just insanity. Um. So please go listen to the newest Lorna Shore song, um, "Into the Hellfire," if you have not already, because so you will not you will not be disappointed. It is six minutes of just obliteration <laughs> it, it it that's literally a sonic assault um like you might have like the first minute to kind of be like okay this is fine after that you're you're done for like yep. prepare yourself um but that's not the other part of my hidden track <laughs> um you know after yeah, that derailed. real yeah um the other one is wage war actually dropped on august 5th um this their new song high horse um and there wasn't any information related to a new album. It's just they dropped the single. I wonder if they're in the works of a new record. They just haven't fully announced the Likely. record. Trivium did the same thing when they released uh, In the Court of the Dragon. Yeah. Like it, it had, didn't come with an album uh, mm-hmm. announcement or anything like that. But it's safe to assume that they're probably going to do it, something. It, it's a pretty safe bet. Um, This one and... It's weird because a lot of my comments related to this song are going to apply kind of similar to Shadow of Intent. Um, this one with Wage War is I was a really big fan of the first record. Second record came out. I'm all in. I am all in. But I actually can like go back to the first record and re- listen to it and really enjoy it. Third record, absolute garbage. The It's one of the... I think I've listened to the record all the way through once. And I don't know... If I'll go back to it, if Oof. I do, it's I I'm very reluctant to go back to it because of how bad it was, and I kind of want to go back and listen just to be like, okay, was it as bad as I remember? But at the same time, I'm like, why was it as bad as you remember? Yeah, kind of thing? and then at the same time, it's like, well, I haven't listened to it for a reason, so um, this actually does give me a little bit of hope for their fourth record, um, you know, whenever that ends up being announced. So I'm curious to see what else they're going to be putting out uh but we really do see a return to like the the heavy heavy wage war it reminds me a lot of stitch and the river um okay. stitch was off the second record uh the river was off their first album my biggest complaint and i i it's kind of started with record two britain the vocalist um his voice is starting to starting to kind of lose mm. so that's something that I'm a bit concerned about. It, it it definitely feels like he's either strained or something with the quarantine might have kind of caused his voice to kind of wither. So I'm I'm hesitant, but I, I want to see kind of what the record ends up sounding like before I, you know, assess too much. But it, it's definitely something of concern. Fair enough. But that is going to do it for us today. Uh, we do uh, have a variety of social media so you can follow us on. So please go like, rate, and subscribe us. Subscribe to us on iTunes, on Spotify, on Apple Music, on uh, Amazon Music, and anywhere else that you get your podcast. We also have a variety of social medias that I just mentioned that I didn't even go into. So I'm going to go into those now. <laughs> uh, we're, on <laughs> we're on Facebook. We're on uh, Instagram. We're on YouTube. And we're on TikTok. We're not on Twitter. But if you do want to start beef with us, please go ahead and email us at tentaclebop at gmail.com so we can create a Twitter and start beef with you so we can both gain followers. And by both of us, I mean we gain some followers and you gain all two of ours. Yeah, so, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> but that, uh, so that, that is where we're going to leave you today. Uh, we do appreciate it, and we will see you guys later. Catch you in the next one. Bye.